<laughs> it's like I'm being tied to the hood of it. <laughs> anyway, welcome to our rent podcast. <laughs> We're only talking about rent, the musical. What is it? The 25th anniversary, 26th anniversary now? What? It's been like 26 or 27 years. God damn. Oh, right. God damn. God damn. R.I.P. My boy. Jonathan Angel? Larson. Oh. He's dead? What? Did Jonathan he die? Larson? Did... Are you for real? Yeah. Yeah, bro. He died before Rent even like made its Broadway debut. That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, bro. He's fucking <laughs> <laughs> How was he in the movie, though? What? life crumbling <laughs> mm. <laughs> but you know no big deal <laughs> just i don't know if we talked about this on the last episode but i got scammed john and i got scammed by a renter potential possible not a Fake we got thing. scammed yeah <laughs> out of a lot of money and then i have to go get something replaced on my vehicle this week, which is costing more money. And my grandma was in the hospital, which cost me no money, but it's like cost grandma. you emotional <laughs> emotional <damage>. money. <laughs> emotional damage. She's fine, supposedly. She's might be going home tomorrow. So that's Yay. good news. And uh I'm by, <laughs> I'm by myself for a couple of weeks because John's in Chicago. So my depression is acting up. So that's fun. But that's why we're um, gonna do fun things. I, I did oh on the positive side, Victoria and I did some hot yoga the other day. Ooh, that and you was loved it. that was better than I was expecting, which was like because I was throwing a fit when Victoria has been asking me over the past couple months to go, and we finally well, got a chance to go. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun um, because it was more. What did she say? The description was different than what she actually did. She said it was more meditative what we were doing than it was. Yeah, it was more hot flow than it was like the stretching. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. No, I I was sore afterwards, so I felt like my muscles were actually doing what they needed to do, and it was definitely. I was really cranky that day, so like going home after that, it felt really good. So it did feel good. I fucking drove home with my windows down. <laughs> I was feeling it, vape pen in hand, <laughs> feeling myself. <laughs> so it's good. I do. I do look forward to when we get to do that Saturday. again eventually. Next week, bitch. Next week. I'm just going to buy your ticket and you can't say anything. Mm, no, I don't think so. Mm, yeah, I think I'm busy so. on Saturday. I think so. What? <laughs> <laughs> How was your week? You know, it was a week. <laughs> I had a hell of a week at work last week. 
And then we went to Austin this weekend to see Oliver Tree and Swaco, which was good. And uh, I mean, the air, we had problems with the Airbnb. We had to drop the Airbnb, get a last minute hotel. But other than that, it was fine. A fucking Airbnb, I feel like, is always really hit or miss. You know, that's what we were talking about, too. When Airbnb started, it was with the intention that it's like a cheaper alternative to booking these hotels. Yeah. And now, like, the hotel we got was half of the price of what our... Excuse me. Of what our Airbnb was. Because, like, those fucking cleaning fees. Like, I understand there are a lot of places that hire cleaning services and everything. But Mm. if you're, like, a lot of people now, like, we stayed at an Airbnb in L.A. And, like, the person just bought this whole building. And all of the fucking apartments in there were Airbnbs. So, like. Which is smart. Yeah. Short-term renting, you don't have to do, like, evictions and shit. You just call the cops, kick them out. What if you have squatters? Call the cops, kick them out. But well, it, for Texas at least, I can't speak for any other state. Because I think in California, like, if you're a squatter, you like legally can stay there, which is crazy to me. Well, okay, so for squatting rights in Texas, you have to have like 30 days residency. Technically, oh. you're if it's a short if it's but that's if it's like residential or commercial lease or like you know mm-hmm. properties. If it's like a hotel, motel, whatever, you get the fuck out. Yeah. (laughs) You call the cops. You're like, hey, these people won't fucking leave and they haven't paid for the Um, night or whatever. They just kick them out. But is Airbnb considered that? It's a short-term rental, so it's the same thing. Hmm. Interesting. Just so you know, look up your rights, people in Texas. They're still fucking expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was like... We booked it for like 400 something dollars. Jesus. For the night. Well, it was only 200 something, but then with all the cleaning fees and shit, it was 400 something. And the taxes and the whatever. And so we were like, you know what's fine? It's like, it was a nice two bed, two bath. And it was split between y'all, right? Split between yeah. four people, two king beds. And it was right where we needed to be. Yeah. Well, we get there and the fucking AC doesn't work. Well, it's off. And we're like, okay, well, maybe they turned it off because no one was in here yet. Yeah. So Andre flips it on. Amanda and I are trying to flip on our ceiling fan. Doesn't work. We're like, okay. The fucking, you go to the bathroom, the faucet's like falling off the thing. What the fuck? Okay. So the AC is running, running, running. Nothing. It's not getting cooler. It's getting hotter. Jesus. So we call the lady and she's like, did you flip it on right? And it's like, yeah, we flipped it on right. It's an AC. What do you mean? Exactly. So the maintenance people come out and they're like, oh, well. Yeah, that ceiling fan's not going to work. We have to, like, replace the whole thing. Um, and the AC's not working for some reason. So we're going to go to the outside unit and then get back with you. They go to the outside unit and never come back. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we'll go to dinner. Because we had a concert to go to. Mm-hmm. So we went to dinner. We went back to check on it. Hot as fucking, but it was, like, 85 degrees Jesus inside. Christ. And it was supposed to get cold that night, which it really didn't. It only got, like, 60. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, maybe we could stay and open the windows. But it was so hot for so long that, like, the sheets and everything got sticky. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we were all fucking miserable. We're like, there's no fucking way. So we all got on our phones and, like, looked for last-minute hotels that we could find that had double beds. And luckily we found, like, a suite with two queen beds. Oh, that's nice. We had to go over there, pack up all our shit again, take it downstairs, go all the way over there. We were, like, two hours late for the concert. 
But luckily we showed up like mid Swaco set. So it wasn't like terrible. And then we just fucking pounded drinks and like <laughs> went in the middle of the crowd. That's so fucking aggravating. Yeah. I feel like I fucking hate. Again, Airbnb, I feel like is really fucking hit or miss. Like it really is. It sucks because when Airbnb first Airbnb first started, like you could find some really good places. Yeah. And like you know that bitch fucking knew the AC didn't work because most places that are like, you know, if they have a good owner, they'll, you know, make sure everything's set and ready for you to go because they're, you know, relying on those reviews. Yep. For more people to come. So, like, that bitch would have had the AC on. Mm-hmm. And would have made sure, you know, everything works. I, I, you know, it's it's fucking blows my mind that there's people that are just kind of like, you know, they'll deal with it. And if they don't, then whatever. I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and she was like, well, y'all need to call the, since it's after hours. It wasn't after hours when we fucking called. But, but when we got back, it was after 530. And she was like, well, since it's after hours, y'all have to call the emergency hotline for the maintenance people. Audrey called three times and no one fucking answered. It's also your Airbnb. Exactly. You like, we're not renting. Like, yeah. we don't own this. What the fuck? But Ugh, I, I hate know. that. So then she was like, well, <clears throat> I could give you a half of your money back and bring a fan. You're fucking kidding me? And we're like, no. Why don't you give us a full fucking refund and we're going to go stay at a fucking hotel. Yeah. So we got to the hotel and we put that bitch down to 65 and we're like, all right, time to bounce to the concert. <laughs> and we got back. It was freezing balls. It was great. I fucking can't stand it. But we were all miserable because we sweated our ass off getting ready. We sweated our ass off walking to dinner. Mm -hmm. We sweated our ass off at the concert. And then we sweated our ass off at 6th Street. So by the time we got back, we were just like miserable. Everybody was all cranky and tired and shit. So I fucking can't stand people, dude. I just. Yeah. I hate shit like that. Just like. Like with us, we were trying to rent a house because we're trying to move. We were trying to rent an apartment in, it wasn't even a part, it was a house in Milwaukee. And this motherfucker knew we were going to be coming from Texas, driving to Wisconsin. And this motherfucker didn't even own the house. That's fucked. He was, he was going to let us show up the day of, the day where our lease was supposed to start, April 1st. Moving across country and not fucking, and, and, and let's just knock on the door and be like, hey, what are you doing living here? Like, he was going to let us potentially have been homeless. That's fucking crazy to me. Like, how are there people like that? Where did you even find him? We found him on, I think he was a Craigslist one. Which is how Craigslist? Well, because that's how we found our last apartment, and that's how we found the apartment before that. I mean, we look on, like, Hot Pads, Apartments, Zillow, whatever, but, like, we found our last couple apartments on Craigslist, and we always get in contact with them. (laughs) You ever heard of the Craigslist killer? <laughs> but I mean, the the whole thing of it was is that like everything was like it seemed legitimate. Mm. Like that's what made us feel really stupid was that we were like, we like everything seemed legitimate and we still got fucked. Like we, I don't know, like it was just mind blowing, especially since I guess we're too trusting of people that this and like you, I guess you just don't think like somebody's going to let you. Somebody's going to know you're moving across country and just be like, well, that's crazy. Yeah, whatever. Hell yeah, brother. People want that money. That's fucking If you're willing to give it to them for free, they're like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. $900, (laughs) give it to me. That's fucking crazy. So at the very least, we're definitely out 80 bucks, but the deposit that we paid is still under investigation. Because like, 
I could tell that like John did not want to accept that we got scammed because like while we were packing, I was like, we think we got scammed. <laughs> and he was like, I think you're overthinking it. And I was like, I don't know, like listing like red flags. And I was like, you text him right now. And like, you figure this out. And then I was like, you call him. And like, I was like, no, we got fucking scammed. I'm reporting this shit. Like, he's like, you don't want to wait for him to respond. I was like, fuck no. I'm reporting this shit. Like, fuck that guy. Fuck like. Yeah. Fuck all that shit. So hopefully I doubt we're going to get our money back, but we'll see. That's fucking Uh, nuts. Yeah. I just, I hate people. (laughs) So yeah, it's been a month. It's, and it's a, huh, it's me and John's anniversary this weekend. So, and he's not even here. So (laughs) happy five years. Let me take you out, baby. (laughs) Hey, you want some drinks, baby? (laughs) So I'm going to spend my five year anniversary by myself. There will be plenty more anniversaries. To yeah, but yeah, whatever. Five years, damn, that's crazy. Uh, it doesn't feel like five years, but it also feels like more than five years. Like I'm so aggravated with him. Sometimes I'm like, <sighs> should we cut that? <laughs> no, that's fine. No, you can leave. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Don't you, bitch. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> I know. He knows. <laughs> All right, should we dive back (laughs) in? I can't believe we finished this fucking book. Yeah. I think that's part of why I'm mad is because of this book. (laughs) I'm proud of myself. Even though For getting through the fucking book? Yeah. Even though I look like a burnt chicken nugget. (laughs) I, you know, okay. As much as I bitch about this book, I don't know about you, but every time I hear something on TV... Or, like, see something on a bill where I constantly think about the book. Is that you? No. I don't know what it is. Like, I heard something the other day, and I was like, oh, that was in Rabbits. And Andre's like, okay. Like, wait, like what? I don't remember. I wish I wrote it. And then the other day, I woke up at 441, and I was like. <gasps> you know, what was weird was that we were driving through Houston the other day, and uh, we drove. We, like, turned down this road, so we were trying to get to an H-E-B. And I was, like, looking on GPS, and I was trying to tell my dad. I was like, okay, you're supposed to turn down this road, and he missed it. Yeah. And so he turned down another road, and when you turned down that road, they were, like, topiaries. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking grass sculptures and shit. They were all fucking rabbits. I was like, that's <gasps> fucking weird. See? Like, that's, I was just, like, I was just looking, and, and you know, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, like. <laughs> I'm like, telling you, fuck? like, driving to Austin and everything, too, I was, like, looking at shit. I was like, <gasps> rabbits. <laughs> I don't know what it was. As much as I bitch about it, it's constantly in the back of my mind. You know, what's weird, too, is that while we were driving to Houston, it was like it was like 3.30, 4.30 in the morning. It was foggy as fuck, dude. Like, visibility was like a quarter of a mile. And I'm like mm-hmm. having a panic attack because like, one, can't, yeah. I can't drive at night. My, I was, so my dad was driving. Neither can I. But then like, you have fog. And then, I mean, you know the road. It's There's no fucking lights. Right. And so I'm just like, and then all you see are fucking deer. On the side of the fucking road. Yeah. And I'm like, next thing you know, the fucking gray thing's gonna come out. <gasps> it's gonna come fucking swallow us up. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh, we're oh, we're fucked. shit. <laughs> but it didn't. We're here. We're alive, so it's fine. <laughs> or are we? Oh, are shit. we in a different dimension? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> How do you know? David Bowie's still alive. Did you know that? Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll Kill me now. It. Okay. Okay. All right. So. Fuck <sighs> So, look, I have so many more capitals than like normal. Like, it's just, I was yell like, and while I was reading this, mm-hmm. 
I was reading it in the living room and John was watching something and he's looking at me and he's like, oh, yeah, I know where you are. <laughs> I don't understand. OK, when John was talking to me at the bar, he was like, oh, it's so obvious. Now oh, that because I- because remember, I was like, uh, I think it's multidimensional. OK, OK. That's okay, what he okay, was okay. saying. Because I was like, I didn't think it was obvious. We had like 10 different theories. Oh, it was the dimensional one. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. OK, so we're back mm-hmm. in chapter 35. I have to fucking read. This has been forever. (laughs) Okay. Kay meets Chloe at the store where she's buying the old eight millimeter projectors so they can play the film that they they found in the locker. Yeah. So that immediately, if we would have just like continued to the next chapter where I was like, you think she's going to watch herself? No, that bitch didn't even have a fucking projector to watch the goddamn movie. Yeah. How are they talking about they have all this fucking equipment for rabbits and they don't have have a fucking eight millimeter projector? shit. So she buys two because apparently there is one for an eight millimeter film and one for a super eight millimeter film that can uh, contain audio. They go back to Chloe's apartment that I'm assuming Kay has never been to because she says she's trying to like take in all the details yeah. and shit. Which is weird, right? Very weird. That's weird they've that... known each other for so long. And the way that they talk about each other, you would think that she would have been over there for at some point. Well, and Chloe just like pops in Kay's apartment like whenever the fuck All she the wants. All the time. Yeah, but that bitch never goes over there. That's weird. Very weird. So they go into the bedroom and close the blackout curtains and try to watch the film. Um, I put. I actually think their little romantic moment felt like real this time. What was that? What was their romantic I moment? don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. I should have wrote it. I, I think it was it. like. I think I vaguely remember something about was it the Howard the Duck thing, where she like moved the moved the, the thing. poster. Yeah, and yeah, she was like, and that's and she's a like, piece of cinematic history. Yes. Okay. My God, this feels like ages ago. <laughs> okay, so they finally figure out how to load the film, and it is a film of the Gatewick Institute, and the camera is following a man in a leather jacket. Um, when the man finally turns around, it's the magician. They're in a room with graffiti all over the wall in the Institute, and the magician pulls out a journal to make a connection to the game. Him and the cameraman seem to be initially excited. After he makes the connection, there's static and a bright light, and the camera picks up a huge dark figure standing in the corner that seems to be seven or eight feet tall and is bending its neck to stand in the room. That kind of gave me the ooky spookies. What, fucking Slender Man shit? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ew, how creepy would it be if you just, like, turned around? Like a crook neck like, bitch? And it's like... <laughs> oh, what's it called in uh, Haunting Hill House? The fucking... The broke broken neck lady. neck lady or whatever? Broke neck bitch? Broke back bitch. <laughs> broke back bitch. <laughs> Dude, have you ever read the fucking screenplay for Brokeback Mountain? No. We had to for, for one of my classes. And? It's really good. Do you get horny? No. <laughs> Absolutely not, but it is really good. Yeah. I mean, you might. I probably will. But it was really good. It was very... I, but I thought the movie was good. No, not so much. I didn't think so much as, like, sexual. It was very romantic. Mm. That, so that was really nice. It was really good. I miss Heath Ledger. Oh, yeah. Bring him back. <laughs> let's go. Let's pull the fuck dimension. Right. <laughs> let's find the radiance and go fucking bring Heath Ledger back. Okay. So the magician seems to be unaware that the dark figure is in the room with him. I was thinking maybe like human eyes can't see it, but maybe only cameras can. Oh, yeah. But then he sees it. 
good point. <laughs> <laughs> no, he feels it. Oh. Because it says he- when it gets closer to the magician, he can feel it behind him. And when he turns around, the figure is there, but it's made up of dark swirls. Just like when Chloe's like, I didn't see anything, but I felt it. Oh, like when they the, took off. In the diner or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or everybody is ignorant. Or that. <laughs> Maybe because they don't have the gatewick sauce. That's true. Mm, give me that gatewick <laughs> sauce, daddy. <laughs> and then you're like... <laughs> 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 that was my radiance fucking. This <laughs> got really lightheaded. Oh my god! Shit, you're gonna send me to another dimension. Oh now. shit! <laughs> Reach for my hand. Oh. <laughs> oh shit! Okay, so I put where the fuck is the cameraman? It fucking took off. That bitch said peace. <laughs> you fucking because I think they said that he set the camera down, right? Like, yeah. Well, they find uh, the connection. Oh, I don't remember because I thought it was like because I I remember them mentioning that you don't ever see the cameraman, but I thought that they had said at some point, and I could be completely wrong. I don't fucking know, but I am, am remembering, misremembering probably <laughs> that they put the camera down, and that's why you could see the magician, mm. and then like, um. That's when he like started looking or whatever, but that bitch was probably just like, dude, fuck that. He's like, oh shit, you see that? Fucking took the fuck off. Okay, so the dark figure ends up catching up to the magician after he takes off running and starts twisting and snapping his body in half and his blood sprays everywhere. The video ends and the room is full of darkness. Chloe is upset and says there's no way it's real. Kay knows all too well that the figure is real, and this is not the first time she's seen it. If it's an old video, though, how is the magician dead? Yeah, so, like, did you think that it was the magician while you were reading this? I thought it was the magician, but I thought maybe it was another, like, deep fake video. Because I, I, I couldn't even remember who put the reel in the locker. Like, what? I can't remember where, how we found out that that was there. They were in Fat Man's office when oh, he died. Okay, but, but, but they but, didn't but. say who right. originally put it in there. But that's how they found out. That's how they found the okay, key. Right, right, right. Okay. So I also put, if it isn't an old video, is the Gatewick Institute still active? Because, like, let's say it was, like, the cassette when they were watching that oh, Minister Jesselman thing. You think it was, like, a... Maybe it's current and the Gatewick Institute Ooh. still open. Mm. So the chapter ends with the notes on the game from Hazel, saying that no one really knows who dictates the game, but that there are rumors that an Illuminati-esque cult that control things from the shadows or a dark alien race might be the culprits. You know what I had a question about with the notes? Tell me. Do you remember if some of the notes, because you know how it says like (laughs) the the title, it says like underneath like authenticated by blockchain. Mm -hmm. Are there some that don't say that? That's a good question. I don't think I paid attention to that. Because I wonder if, and I only saw that like this, like towards the end of the book. Uh, the only reason I, I wonder that is because I wonder if some things are actually like 
written by Hazel, and if some mm. are like things put in there by the warden or whatever, mm. whomever runs the rabbits shit. Well, as you'll find out, we have a lot of unanswered fucking questions <laughs> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so Hazel says that whoever it is um, controlling the game is complex and dangerous, and they aren't talking. Yeah, no shit. And that is the end of chapter 35. We go into chapter 36. Chloe is freaking the fuck out about the video. And Kay mentions that the locker containing the film hadn't been opened in years per the woman at the hotel. Yet the magician looked exactly the same. Yeah, which is crazy because like they hadn't seen him in so long. And then he shows up on this fucking thing and then he dies. It's ripped apart in half. I put, is our magician one from another dimension coming back to see what happened in the first place after it murdered him? Mm. That was just the theory I had back then. Back then in the day. (laughs) Um, Chloe calls everyone she knows that had a connection to the magician, but no one has any info for her. Chloe asks Kay to call Russell, and Kay's like, uh, maybe we should go get something to eat and think about this. And maybe we should talk about it tomorrow. (laughs) And Chloe's like, get the fuck out. If you're not going to help me, get the fuck out. So Kay goes home and she tries to clean and relax because she, you know, was also shaken up about the film. Yeah. And they had been up for a while, right? Yeah. They had no sleep. And there's a knock at the door, but she hadn't buzzed anyone up. She assumes that it's Chloe and she's like, oh, well, she'll call later. Then a few minutes later, there's another knock at the door, but it's louder this time. When Kay looks out the peephole, no one is standing there. And while she's looking around, someone starts hammering at the door and it scares her so bad that she falls backwards. She pre-dials 911 and tells them that she's going to call the cops. But when she swings open the door, no one's there. Why the fuck would you? I would never open the door. This, yeah. But like, you hear banging you don't see anybody and you're like i wonder where this person could be why are you gonna open the door you're not sure who they are or or where they are couldn't be me and then this dumb fucking bitch she (laughs) opens the door they're gone and then she's like oh well i guess i'll just go for a fucking walk (laughs) like you don't stay in your fucking house if somebody is like (laughs) banging on your door and you don't know who they are you're just like i guess i'll just go outside like Fuck you. This though, this chapter was cool. I felt like this one it was actually like kind of eerie. Like I reading it, I was kind of like, ew. Yeah. Let's talk about the end of the chapter. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so she goes out for a walk. She sneaks out the back of her building. And when she's walking down the street, she notices that someone on a bike is following her, which she says is more creepier. Than getting followed by a uh, car because it's more intimate. Yeah, that's weird, right? It is weird. Like, somebody has to so be like, actively... Yeah. Sh- 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 and yeah. she's like, and you can hear the, like... Yeah, that's creepy as fuck. So, she dodges the bike, and she almost runs into this man standing in the parking lot in a gray wool suit. And she apologizes for almost running into him, but says, sorry... Wait, and says, sorry, but keeps moving. And the man doesn't flinch. The man eventually turns and starts chasing Kay and matching her speed. He attempts to grab her by the neck and back, and Kay kicks it into overdrive and fully sprints. 
When she loses the man in the alley, the bike is in front of her, and again, adrenaline takes over, and she books it. Well, so when she turns into that part, she's, like, trying to lose him, and she turns to this parking lot, and he shows up, and she's just kind of like, oh, like, what do you want, or whatever. And they're just, like, standing, like, they're just standing, they're both just standing there. Mm. Why doesn't the motherfucker try to grab her then? Why wait until she starts running to chase after her? The way she made it sound was, like, his eyes were dead. Like, he didn't even know, like, what was happening. And so she was like, oh, that's kind of weird. And when she, like, walked past him, that's when she was surprised that when she turned, he was chasing, he was after. chasing her. But that's so, yeah, but, like, if that's your intent is to capture somebody, why not fucking do it when they're five feet in front of you? But also knowing what we know now, what was the point of it? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, what the fuck was that whole chapter about? <laughs> because yeah. that's what I was, yeah, that, that's what I say we were talking about at the end. Uh, Ooh, what the fuck did any of that have to do with fucking anything? It had I, nothing to do with anything. I have a lot of moments like that. <laughs> but, okay. So, when she evades both guys, she ends up close to Baron's apartment, and she's like, you know what, I'll just hide out there. Um, she goes in and says that because he owned his apartment, everything is the exact same except the kitchen is clean and the murder wall is gone. She searches the apartment for anything that Baron might have left for them. She doesn't find anything and lays on the couch kind of like defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that it's comfort or comforting being there around all of his stuff. When she's looking around, she notices that one of his posters is not on the wall And it's next to an old Apple computer that everyone assumed was for decoration. But it had been plugged in and there was a dining room chair in front of it. How do you how do you not look at that and be like, oh, somebody is using that. There's a fucking chair in front of it. Yeah. It's a game, bro. It's a game. You don't question the game. You just do the game. When Kay boots up the computer, a game pops up to play and it's Marlana's Quest. Kay beats the game, and when she's done, she looks up the ad for the second one and sees that it's an ad of a boy holding a dark wooden box with the same arcane symbols that Baron had on his murder wall. Kay has also been seeing the same symbols everywhere else. Kay remembers that when they found Baron staring at his computer, he had the same wooden box in his lap. Kay finds the box in Baron's room and decides to open it with Chloe. I assumed she was going to go to where Chloe was. But then in chapter 37, Chloe climbs through Baron's window. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I fucking... <laughs> but yeah, so like... Because chapter 36, she starts like hearing somebody coming into Baron's apartment, right? No, that's 37. Oh. So, yeah, so that her finding the box is the end of chapter 36. Okay. And then, yeah, okay, because chapter 37, I put who do you think was going into Baron's? Right. So, chapter 37, Chloe comes into Baron's apartment through the, through, through the notorious open window that he <sighs> left for smoking, <laughs> which you would think that if it's in the process of being sold, they'd be like, oh, the window's open. Like, let's fucking close it. If they it. clean the kitchen and clean the murder wall, they would probably close the window especially in seattle where it's raining all the time you don't want the fucking fucking yeah (laughs) um discrepancy much uh the continuity is terrible (laughs) (laughs) chloe apologizes for being weird earlier but admits that the video really freaked her out and she still doesn't believe it Kay doesn't want to burst her bubble and tell her that it probably was real 
Chloe grabs the box, but Kay takes it because if it's something bad's in there, she doesn't want Chloe to get hurt. Mm-hmm. They open the box, and in in it is a picture and a cassette tape. The picture is of the brick wall in the alley that Kay had found the moonrise symbol on. They're looking for a cassette tape player in Baron's apartment when they hear whispering outside of the apartment. And when it's about to open, Kay and Chloe grab the pick and the cassette and take off. Did you notice that, like, Kay is like, oh, I know that I bought Baron a Sony fucking DS whatever cassette mm-hmm. player. And then they talk about, like, what? who care? Like, they name the other cassette player brand whenever they get to Chloe's or wherever the fuck they go. It's like, Why? Why I does think, that detail matter? I think a lot of it is like the author's way of making it like relatable. Like it's real real world things like listed in the book. Because that happens with a lot of shit. That's dumb. <laughs> it's not dumb. I think it's it's excessive. I think yeah, I think the way that he went about trying to make it relatable was yeah. not effective in any way. Yeah. But it's saying like, oh, like look how vintage I bought him this like Sony yeah. old school. Just fucking throw out the word Atari seventeen times and we'll get you're talking about the eighties. Like Yeah. It'll be fine. I think that's what it is though. <laughs> like old Apple They even said like the model. I didn't write the fucking model down. But you know what I mean? I think it's so it can be like, oh, you need all these like vintage cool things yeah. to like play the game. But like it's the end of the book. I think we got that. <sighs> you would think. <laughs> so um, when Chloe suggests Kay's apartment, she ends up telling her about the wool suit man and the bicyclist. And they agree to go to the arcade just in case Kay's apartment is being watched. But if they knew that like if her apartment was being watched, they knew where she lived. Wouldn't you think they would also know that she was going to go to the fucking arcade? No, bro. The arcade's like cloaked from rabbits. Okay. <laughs> Duh. I didn't catch that in the book, but goddamn, I'm gonna read that in the chapter. I missed the so whole weird. fucking plot point. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So when they get there, <clears throat> they head up to the magician's office and listen to the tape. It's someone playing a record that ends up being a Steely Dan song. I've never heard of Steely Dan in my entire fucking life. Are you serious? I have. That's surprising. I have. I mean, unless I've heard a song that I don't re- that I don't know the artist. I've heard the artist's name. I don't know that I've heard a song. All right, sing me a song. I did. Did you hear what I just said? Sing me a song. I just said I heard sing, the artist. Sing name. me a song. <laughs> but I don't know that I've heard a song. I'm still down. <laughs> don't you know it, man? Your pinhead, Larry. <laughs> little, little. <laughs> I anyway. say I'm Steely <laughs> So, when they're going to listen to it again, they hear someone knock at the office door, and when Chloe pulls up the security footage on her phone, it's Swan and the twins. Ooh. I have something to talk about them in chapter 42. Oh, shit. Going into chapter 38... Chloe and Kay leave through the back of the arcade and decide to go to the wall in the alley for the from the picture. When they get there, the symbol is still there, but someone has spray painted Are You Playing in yellow spray paint. They take a picture of it and Chloe touches it, confirming that it's dry and it's been there a while. They decide to see what the front of the store is and it's a record pop-up shop 
that Kay goes into to look for clues while Chloe goes a few few stores down to order pizza. Kay doesn't find anything. She's just kind of like looking around like, I don't know what to look for. I was... (laughs) What? When they mentioned the record store, I immediately was like, I bet they're going to try to find the fucking Stealing Dan record. I did not think of that. Are you serious? A hundred percent. I fucking immediately was like, I bet... I bet they try to find the fucking Steely Dan record in that fucking pop-up shop is exactly what I wrote. I was I, so mad. I don't know if I was just, like, trying to, like, like read it, but they eventually... So, Kay goes through, like, the place and, like, is like, oh, I don't find anything. Leaves, goes to meet Chloe at the pizza shop. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> she's like, holy shit, I didn't think about it. And, like, runs back. The, the fucking arcade's already closed. Yeah. And she's like, please let me in. Like, I already know what I want to buy. And my ass is like, what is she going to buy? Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, we're like, I fucking knew it. And then she comes out and she's like, I got the Steely Dan album. And I'm like, holy shit. How do you not think about that? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Because I just like immediately like, I was like, fuck you. This fucking book. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> of course. Oh, you just happened to mention Steely Dan. Oh, damn. You record? good at Wabbits. <laughs> shit. I fucking won this shit, ho. <laughs> That's why I hate this fucking book. They got it wrong. <laughs> they say, my name's not Kay. It's Ashley. <laughs> I'll never tell you my real name. <laughs> it's A. <laughs> I also killed the fucking girls in Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> <laughs> You're double A. Oh, shit. That's probably right. Right? Prayer first and middle name. No, for my boob size. Oh. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm fat. <laughs> Just kidding, they're fucking ease. <laughs> oh my god, that would hurt. Could my you back. imagine? I can't. I can barely handle having D's. No brag. <laughs> ease would fucking kill me. Any bra size that's not in a generic department store, I feel would destroy your back. I already have problems finding fucking really. E's. Yeah, I'm lucky and I'm average. What are you? What are you a B? Yeah, Pff, lucky bitch. Okay. <laughs> After she buys the Steely Dan album, they're walking back to Chloe's car and on their way back, all the streetlights are going out one by one. And they're like, "Okay, well, it's obviously not like a power outage if they're following us while we're walking. And when they look back, Kay can see the gray figures coming towards them. They take off running and get to Chloe's car as soon as possible. Chloe confirms that she didn't see any dark shadows, just the streetlights. In the car, Kay gets a text, and it's a picture of a white towel um, and then a Google map to the restaurant across from the arcade. And as we know, the white towel was, like, Chloe, Kay's, and Baron's way of saying, like, emergency. Yeah. And I I put that, I was like, I bet it was fucking Alan Scarpio because mm. they were going back to the diner where he first met her. You didn't think for a second, like, Baron was like alive. No. Oh. <laughs> Did you? No. Oh. I mean, I thought it crossed my mind, but then yeah. I was like, no, that's not it. No. Yeah. No, I mean, like, yeah, that's definitely a possibility, but I was just like, Scorpio was a good guess, though. I was immediately thinking because of the diner. I was like, if you fucking did this shit with Steely Dan, this motherfucker's gonna be like, oh, yeah, I'm Alan Scorpio. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of chapter 38. We're gonna do a quick little ad break. And then we back up chapter 39. <laughs> okay. Chapter fucking 39. So while Chloe and Kay are going to the diner, Kay notices that the brightness of the sky is kind of like adjusting. 
No, it's just weird. Very weird. Like flickering or whatever. Or just... Yeah, like she says it's like it's turned down. That's what the see, I like was thinking and I was like, there's no fucking way this is a simulation after we had talked about it. But yeah. then like hearing that shit, I'm like, they fucking better not make this shit. I really simulation. thought it was gonna be like, and it was a whole simulation. Oh, Honestly, that would have been better though. What a fucking <laughs> When she asked Chloe if she saw well, she meant this guy. She's like, Did you see that? And Chloe was like, Oh, what, the billboard? And Kay looks at the billboard and sees that it's for David Bowie. Kay asks Chloe if David Bowie is alive, and Chloe's like, um, yeah, what <laughs> yeah, the fuck? Fucking idiot. <laughs> and then Kay doesn't say anything else and was just like, oh, okay, just making sure. <laughs> they get to the diner and no one is there yet, so they sit in the booth. Oh, you know what? I did it. I put, I thought for sure it was going to be Alan Scarpio. <laughs> <laughs> After they order coffee, Chloe is like, why the fuck did you ask me about David Bowie? And we just. <laughs> We just saw him in concert with Graham Parsons and Emmylou Harris. <laughs> she's like, who the fuck? Yeah. She's like, I ain't never heard of these people. <laughs> she's like, I'm not even going to ask. And we don't ever find out. So who the fuck they were? I don't fucking know. They're other magician, m- magicians. They're other musicians. Like David what? Bowie. Oh, I thought she meant like we went to go with Graham Parsons mm. and whatever. No, Graham Parsons is a a musician oh well see i don't fucking know (laughs) so yeah so kate had no idea who graham parsons is and chloe was like you're scaring me what the fuck just before kate can say anything swan slides into the booth and the twins block chloe and kate in the first thing chloe says is why did you kill fat man neil (laughs) why is that her first question I feel like no offense, R.I.P. Fat Man Neil, but like that would not have been my first fucking question. If I was K, I've been like, why the fuck were you chasing me down the other day? Like, I don't know what the fuck's going on with the game. Why are you here? Not why are you? What does it matter? Why? What does it matter why she killed Fat Man Neil? If she was the person to have killed Fat Man Neil, which I don't believe that she was. Do you think she was? No, and she says no. See if, if. why why does that matter 100 percent. like what is terry miles trying to lead us into like thinking you know it's just mm. you you haven't provided enough evidence for it to have to make any sense that she would have been the person because what would she have gained from that absolutely nothing exactly so why the fuck okay so swan tells her that she didn't and when chloe calls her a liar Kay and swan see the dark figures in the back of the diner moving towards them Swan says they needed to leave, and then the lights go out. Kay opens her eyes, and she is somewhere else. Something she describes as the in-between that she has been experiencing ever since she was a child. She thought they were just night terrors, and described it as laying in a thick, inky darkness, paralyzed, unable to wake up. She says that she could feel the currents under her as an escape, but would be unable to grab onto one to leave the darkness. Her mother taught her how to deal with it and told her to focus on love and warmth. And when she reached for the current, she would grab her hand. This worked and the older Kay got, her night terrors got replaced with actual nightmares of Annie Connor's death and the death of her parents. Do you think there's a dimension where her parents are alive? I don't think so. Because they would have gone and like saved the world or whatever already. Well, just because of what we find out later and people who have died interdimensionally... 
I don't think that it's a thing. I can't remember what we find out later. We'll talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> um, I put maybe they thought that emotional distress was the key, but it's actually love. It's love. <laughs> While she was in the same in-between, she started picturing Chloe and what she loved about her and reached for a current and grabbed her hand. When she snapped out of it, they were in the diner, but Swan and the twins were gone. She grabbed Chloe's hand and they left. Chloe says that she didn't see anything, but she felt something scary and it was really fucked. I'm sorry. She didn't see anything, but she felt something and it was really fucking scary. And that's the end of chapter 39. All you need is love. <laughs> I'm getting progressively more mad the more I, I remember. <laughs> just, I just remember. I don't think. I think whenever I read that I have a, a blank face. Mm-hmm. Because like I'm experiencing these things in my mind. But John was like you were fucking like what was that face? Like you were. <laughs> you Piss. obviously are having some emotions right now. <laughs> so chapter 40. Kay and Chloe drive around for an, half an hour to make sure no one is following them. And then they go to Kay's, I'm sorry, they go to Chloe's apartment where they relax and drink and watch an old Japanese horror movie. You think it's like the, it's like the ones they showed in Jutsu guys? Oh my God, I hope not. <laughs> Those are, they showed some old ass fucking like, I guess they're, I guess it's like Japanese urban legend yeah movie like folklore it was like a hundred horror something (laughs) the weirdest fucking like 80s (laughs) i don't know it was so so fucking weird it was bad i would love to watch it it's just just we should find it and watch it we should oh my god yeah i guess we just gotta go back and watch go go back to alamo (laughs) (laughs) just watch the same trailers again (laughs) So Kay forgets that she left the Steely Dan album in Chloe's car because of the chaos at the diner. She goes and gets it, and when they play it, there's no song. The what? Uh, the title of the song that they had heard. Where did they hear it originally? In the magician's office, like that. That song wasn't on this album. It was a different song title. Where did they? Yeah, they heard it was in the on the cassette. Oh, okay. That's what they heard on the cassette from the. From did we even mention that? What? No, that they played it when they find the wooden box and they go to the magician's office to play it. It's a fucking song that they find out is a Steely Dan song. Yeah, and that's when Swan and the twins fucking show up. I missed that part. Yeah. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> so they use the song ID app. And they find out that it's a song called Third World Man. But on the album, there's an identical sounding song with different lyrics called Were You Blind That Day? When they start looking online, everything online says Third World Man, which means that Were You Born That Day was never released and was changed to Third World Man. But the album they had had the unreleased song. Connection is weird. (laughs) That's weird. They the album that they had had the unreleased song but the but the song that they heard originally was the released song is that right i think so the song that they heard was third world man 
third world man, and the unreleased one was Were You Blind That Day? Right. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And it was never released, but yet the album that they had bought at the record store had it on there. Had it instead of Third World Man. Anyway, I got to listen to Steely Dan. I don't know what the fuck (laughs) you're talking about. When they start looking at the song creditors, they see that a man named Mordecai Kubler was credited for Horns of Terzos, which they think is some sort of instrument at first. (laughs) They were like... What is a Horns of Terzos <laughs> and how can I play it? <laughs> Where can I find <laughs> Is that a string or a percussion? <laughs> they look online and find absolutely nothing. Kay wants Chloe to look on the dark net, but Chloe <laughs> says that's not how it works. You can't just look things up on the dark net. Chloe says that she has a friend who worked at the university and has access to the databases that weren't online. They find an old thesis that mentions Mordecai and the Horns of Terzos, written by Sandra Aikman. They buy the thesis and read through it, finding that the Horns of Terzos is a book, but they're unable to find that anywhere. Yeah, she, like, mentioned it, like, a couple times, but not enough for them to get any sort of substantial information. And they're like, oh, fuck, it's a book. Let's fucking look it up. Can't find shit. That's crazy. So they (laughs) message Sandra, who lives in the area, and they agree to meet at a coffee shop. They lie to her and say that Mordecai is Chloe's grandfather and they're hoping to find more information on him. She gives them an extra copy of the book she has and says to let her know if they find anything else out. Here's here's what pisses here's me off. Thing. <laughs> Why would you go ask this girl woman woman what like they don't ask her how she found out about the book. They don't ask her. They tell her, oh, we couldn't find a copy anywhere. She's like, oh, that's fucking crazy. I have like four. Right. And they don't ask her why they can't find anything online about it, where she got those books, why she wrote about the book, how she heard about it in the first place. Wouldn't you think those that's information you would want that could potentially lead to more? <laughs> no. Why? Because the information that they need at hand is point A to point B, and now she has given them point B. That's it. But they've also gone and asked all these other fucking questions to find out background information. I just don't think you know how to play the game. This is like when Kay was debating if she should still follow the women or if she should fucking drive three hours to a festival. Like, you gotta know when to stop and when to restart. But I would just be curious about why you wouldn't fucking want to know, because if they couldn't find anything about this, like, what if it's because, like, some motherfucker didn't, you know, just like the fucking Steely Dan thing, they didn't fucking release it, and it turns out to be this thing uh, that didn't get released, and they find out the name of something else. Like, why would you go through all that effort to find out something about Steely Dan, but not about the book? I just think that it's odd to be like, we can't find anything about this. Oh, hey, you have four. Great. Give me one. Instead of being like, why do you have four if I couldn't? That's so crazy to me. Why do you have four and I couldn't find anything? But the way that the girl was making it sound like was like, oh, really? You can't find it? Well, I have an extra copy. Like she made it seem like it was everywhere. It's weird that they couldn't find it. This makes me think. Well, I'll have to say it at the end. (laughs) We'll have to go back if I remember. But, like, but on that note, she's 
saying like, yeah, that's crazy. You couldn't find it. Isn't that weird that like they couldn't find it if she's making it seem so. I'm going to put a note at the end. <laughs> if it's make if you're making it seem like it's so easy to find it, then how come we couldn't find it just by fucking looking on Google? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you there's literally nothing on this motherfucker. That just blows my mind. Okay, so yeah, so she gives them the extra copy of the book and says if they find anything else out to please let her know. They go back to Chloe's apartment and read the book, like, uh, which they say is a fantasy fiction mythology story. And there's a drawn map in the book. The main character ends up having a battle with the final foe, the man in the tower. Coincidence? I think not. No, why would anything in this story be a fucking coincidence? <laughs> Chloe says that there are no coincidences in Rabbit. And of shit. And Kay mentions that she sounds like the magician. Kay gets <laughs> sad. She said, oops, I forgot that bitch got torn in half. Fucking way to kill the fucking mood, bro. <laughs> Chloe gets up to pour them some wine. And all of her apartment lights flicker, but they act like it's no big deal. Because she was like, does this happen often? She's like, oh, no. That's never happened. And I'm like, oh, okay. Can I have a glass of wine? <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> they look at the map again and notice that it's of the labyrinth from the story, but looks a lot like North America. Kate prints out a picture of the map from the book and tells Chloe to pull up Seattle in Google Earth. They find the map that makes the Gatewick symbol, and each point has been related to clues they found in the game, like the alley at like the alley wall in the top of the point leads to the tower at war games. Kay says that this is their map. And Chloe is like, fuck, we're really doing this. And Kay says, win the game, save the world. And that is the end of chapter 40. I have some things to say in chapter 42. Oh, shit. We're not there yet. <laughs> I know. I didn't write anything down for 41. So okay. mad I was. <laughs> so 41. In the novel, the highest point of the pyramid is called the gate. And passing through the gate delivers Xana, which is the character, <laughs> to a world that is identical to her own, but is actually somewhere called the other place. So she's basically like crossing a radiant right. or whatever. When she makes it to the center, she's able to get to the man in the tower to defeat him. Chloe says, let's go find your man in the tower. And they decide to follow the map. They start with the point that Xana started with that leads them back to the wall in the alley. When they go, it looks the exact same. But when Kay goes to take another picture of it, she sees symbols come to life in swirling darkness. Um, and when she comes to, she's in Chloe's car. And Chloe is like, yeah, I really got to pee. Okay, he's like, what the fuck's happening? She like lost like 10 minutes of her fucking life right there. Right. So, yeah. So Kay's like, what the fuck just happened? And Chloe's like, hey, yo, bitch, you good? <laughs> uh, Kay's like, yeah, I'm fine. Where are we going? And Chloe's like, oh, really? You're fine? Like, I'm going to where you just fucking told me to go. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And that's when we find out that she lost 10 minutes of time. So they go to Bellevue Downtown Park and get out of the car and try to find the connection. When they're rocking around the park, they don't really see anything, but they start seeing like a thousand black birds. Yeah. And Kay is like, okay, I can feel like the darkness coming again. Doesn't she say some shit of like how some people call like a group of ravens like a murder and some people call them a conspiracy? 
It's possible. I don't remember. Or that. a group of crows or murder. There was a lot of bird things happening in this <laughs> chapter. I was like, okay. I also hate birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, birds aren't real. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is serious. That he went on the Howard Stern show and fucking people believe that the, that they were put there by who is it George Bush to like watch their. You think that motherfucker was smart enough to fucking put birds on a fucking? Maybe it wasn't Bush. It was something. <laughs> it doesn't matter. One of them. <laughs> But they're spies. They're just cameras you flying around. You think America's smart enough to do shit like that? Absolutely hey, not. you never know what the government's doing. They're not doing You that ever heard of Area 51? <laughs> they keep that from us. <laughs> but I fucking know. Well, I know what's in there. <laughs> so she feels the world dimming again. And all of the birds start flying around. And they can't see, like, a way out of it. They take off. And when they finally get off the grass... The sprinkler where they were standing goes off, and Kay thinks this was a sign that they were on the right path. That's what I got from that. I hope that's right. Yeah, because they, like, as they're going, like, the sprinklers are turning on, like, following mm, them, but only the ones that they're, like, running from, gotcha. and none of the other ones in the park are turning on. So when they get back to the car, and uh, Chloe's like, yo, I still got to piss. So they drive to a Starbucks, and while Kay is waiting for Chloe... The barista calls the name Harold and six Harolds come up to the counter and the barista's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Who had the soy on? <laughs> so finally, a seventh Harold comes out of the bathroom and is like, oh, that's mine. <laughs> Kay is freaked out and she feels that something's not right. She runs to the bathroom and knocks to check on Chloe, but nobody answers. And the bathroom says vacant on the lock. When she opens it, no one's in there. She knows Chloe couldn't come out because she was standing by the bathrooms the whole time. And even if she had lost track of time, Chloe would never just leave her inside the Starbucks. So she calls an Uber and goes to Chloe's apartment. When she gets there, her name's not listed on the door. And when she buzzes the apartment, a man says that he doesn't know who Chloe is and he's lived there since the buildings opened. Kay freaks out and has the Uber take her to the other point on the map, which is a storage facility called Pyramid Self-Storage. Yeah, she's like, if, I can, if I'm not, if Chloe's not here, I have to fucking finish it and figure so out I where she can get her back. Yeah. Okay. No one is in the storage facility. Yeah. And Kay is waiting for the receptionist when she sees and feels the darkness. She takes off running and says that she can feel that it's hungry. She loses it and climbs into a service elevator, but before she can hit the button to go up, darkness creeps through the gates in the elevator with her. She says it feels like her mind is being ripped apart and she blacks out. But I think it was that was what was supposed to happen for her to like continue the game, right? Because isn't that how she gets to the tower? Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, so that chapter 41 ends. Now we're at 42. When Kay wakes up, she's in the elevator to the War Games Tower and not in the storage company. The elevator is taking her to the penthouse floor, and when it opens, there's actually a receptionist in the lobby this time, and he asks her if he can help her. She's like, yeah, I'm here to see Crow. Because she's like, no point of fucking, like, beating around the bush. Just fucking show me that motherfucker. 
She says um, that she's, oh yeah. So he says someone will be right with her. When Kay is looking around, she notices that it looks more lively with books and paintings. And there's a painting behind the receptionist that it's an upside down tree, right? Mm -hmm. And when Kay asks about it, the receptionist says that the artist meant for it to be like that. I put probably because the world is upside down. (laughs) They're in the upside down. Yeah. (laughs) This is actually Stranger Things. (laughs) So Emily comes busting out and is like, hey, why the fuck are you here? And tells her that she has to leave. Kay asks Emily if she killed Crow. And Emily's like, no, I haven't. Kay notices that Emily is in the exact same clothes from when she met her days before. And Kay asks how long it's been. Emily's like, I saw you like an hour or two ago. Oh, this bitch is like. And he's like, no, bitch, it's been days. Yeah. Emily tells her that not all dimensions operate in the same temporal space. <sighs> they end up going to the elevator where Emily hands Kay a gun. The building is shaking so hard that Kay thinks it's going to collapse. She's like, it's not an earthquake feeling. Yeah. It's like something worse. Yeah. <laughs> and fucking. Emily just telling her because Kay keeps asking questions. What are we doing? Where are we going? Da, da, da. And Emily's like, shut up. Just shut up. She's like, do you ever shut the fuck up? I'm just telling you to shut up. <laughs> She's just like, where are we going? <laughs> Emily says that the radians are falling apart since Crow fucked everything up. They end up in Crow's living quarters and he's there. Emily begs him to stop because the mechanism is failing. Crow says that it's fine and it's just going to reset. Emily calls him out that it's not going to bring his wife or his daughter back. And at that point, I was like, I fucking hope we find out what happens. Yeah. Um, Crow gets pissed and tells her that she didn't get to have an opinion about it and that it will bring them back. He says that Hawk Warriker and Kellen Mitchum neutered the mechanism that exists beneath the world. And who were they to play God? And then Emily's like are you fucking kidding? Like, you're doing the exact <laughs> same shit. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing, you fuck. He says that she will see things differently when the game resets. She's like, it's not going to fucking reset. Yeah, and, yeah. according to them, the game's not going to reset. The world will just be wiped out of existence. She pulls out her gun and points it at him. But right when she does that, Emily is shot, or I guess grazed in the shoulder by one of the security guards. Mm-hmm. Who says that he only wanted to incapacitate her, not kill her. <laughs> the shaking is getting worse. And Crow says that the reset is going to happen any minute now. And Emily again reiterates that the stream is dying, not resetting. Crow tells the guards to kill both of them. And he's like, I'll miss you both. I wish it didn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, fuck you. And then he's, she, <laughs> Emily's like, I thought you were just going to incapacitate me. <laughs> And he's like, oops, sorry. He's like, oh, actually, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, okay. So just when the guards are about to shoot them down, Kay looks up and the twins are standing behind them because they fucking killed the guards. Uh, When Crow turns and sees Swan, he freaks the fuck out and tells her the same thing he told Kay that one time, which is she wasn't supposed to be there. I put, is this because he knows Kate and Swan can also interdimensional travel? This was before we, like, got a concrete answer. She says that she's been looking for him and then tells him that he fucked up the radiance. Kay explains that Swan wasn't working for Crow. Um, 
He then says that the stream will divert back to its previous healthy state, and Swan tells him it doesn't work like that. And what happened to his daughter was irreversible. She says, what kind of father experiments on his own child? And he freaks the fuck out. He's like, no, no, no. (laughs) I thought that he was one of the parents at the Gatewick Institute and, like, made his pregnant wife, like, take a bunch of drugs and, Mm. like, they got fucked up instead of, like, them getting powers. Yeah. And we don't, we find out that's not what happens. But I was like, how fucking crazy would that be? That's a good theory because I was just like, his daughter got lost. (laughs) <laughs> and the fucking shit that was all and that's what happened <laughs> <laughs> so crow lunges at swan and she shoots him in the face <laughs> I, I like how he just like it shot him in the face <laughs> that was that with her fucking sawed off shotgun or whatever the fuck she had well and wasn't it emily who thought like after shooting him everything would just like stop? yeah no but that swan's like wrong. that's not how that yeah. happens so she turns to emily and greets her and swan says this must be hard for you does she mean, well, at first I put, does she mean because the stream is dying, so so will she or something else? And we learn it's something else. Yeah. Um, Kay is under the assumption that because Crow is dead, it's over, but the building keeps shaking, and Emily and Swan explain that the damage is done and it's going to happen, whether they like it or not. Swan says that maybe if Kay could win the game, it would save everything, but because it's so fucked up, she probably couldn't even find the clues because yeah. they're also fucked up. Yeah. She says that once the stream and everyone dies, another connected stream will fall into this one and it'll keep going like a domino effect effect until it's the end of everything. Swan says if Kay closes her eyes, she can make it end faster. And Kay asks, what if she doesn't? Oh, because she was going to fucking shoot her, right? (laughs) And Swan says this and then the world goes black. I thought she fucking shot her. That's what I thought too. She's like this, dude. So I'm going to shoot you whether your eyes close or not, bitch. Uh, is this the end of the chapter? That is the end of the chapter. I have something to say. All right, go. And I want to know your thoughts on it. All right, I'll tell you my thoughts on it. I think Terry Miles did a terrible job, a with, terrible job. <laughs> with making Swan appear as like any sort of important important character in this book. She's <laughs> She was mentioned three times in mediocre parts of the book that were not important and then she comes back as some sort of device to clear up like what's happening like she just shows up for like a page and is like oh i'm have something to do with alan scarpio and then she's chasing her down a thing for like five seconds and then she like shows up to a diner and all of a sudden she's like this is everything that's happening like i know everything da, da, da. like uh. well i think it's that thing is my opinion on it i think you're not supposed to, right? You're supposed to be unsure of what she is, good or bad. Just like Crow. But because Kay doesn't give her the chance because she's constantly running away from her, you don't get the opportunity to know that she's like, has all this information on the game. Granted, the first time they met, she was very like aloof and was Mm -hmm. like, all right, bye. But I think when she was chasing her in Pike's Market, she was trying to like save her. Maybe if they had gotten to her before the guy in the van did, that it'd be different. Like, she would know more. I think that that was his intention, but I don't think that it came off well enough. I mean, that's what I took out of it. Well, because both John and I are like, she fucking didn't matter. She didn't matter until this moment. Like, 
she to us she was just kind of like there as some sort of like device some literary device in the end to to fucking tie up all the knots That's like fair. he it felt like he peppered her throughout so that way she had a role to play at the end mm-hmm. because he needed some way to make everything fit together but like i feel like he could have done a better job of being like the like i it, it was just weird to me to have her being like running chasing after her in pike's place or whatever she it it just felt like it was like two sentences like he could have done a little bit more with that yeah and like maybe like describing the look on her face or like what they were doing but it was just like it left up to your own interpretation of what they were there for which could be good but in the context of everything else in my opinion of how he like portrayed them i think he did a terrible job at it right but that's just my how i interpreted it the book so there you go. Yeah. So we go into chapter 43. I don't know about you. I <laughs> threw oh, me for a loop. <laughs> threw me for a fucking uh, loop, bro. Yeah. A big loop. <laughs> okay. So Emily and Kate end up in the arcade when they come to. Emily wants to know where they are. Kate tells them it's the arcade by her apartment. Emily sits and leans on the game Night Driver because she still has the shoulder wound. Emily looks upset, and when Kate asks what's what's wrong, you know, besides the world ending, she notices that Emily is trying not to cry. Emily turns to Kay and pulls her into a close hug, and, and Kay says that her body was shaking. Then Emily pulls Kay's face and kisses her. <laughs> And although Kay feels like a rush of emotion that she can't explain, Mm -hmm. she pulls back and says that she's in love with somebody else, which is Chloe, and that she can't really do this with her. Emily gets upset and is like, oh, well, that's fucking great. She then says her and Kay were married in a different dimension and have spent the past and she has spent the past four years trying to find her. In, a dim- in which dimensional street that Kay slipped into. I just wrote in all caps, no, they don't get to be married. How <laughs> fuck? fucking insane is that? What? Uh, so did you feel, because when I read it, I felt like he was trying to say, and I think that's just because I had just finished <laughs> A Court of Mist and Fury. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I didn't get the emotion at all. That she had fall, I like you know that she fell in love with her, but I didn't like it. It didn't feel like throughout the book. It didn't feel like she had fallen in love without him explicitly saying, "Oh, with Chloe." Yeah. Oh yeah, I I didn't get that vibe either. Yeah, because I told you they're like romantic interactions were weird. Yeah, and again, maybe you're right. Maybe it's because we just read all that fucking horny ass shit. Yeah, <laughs> but I wanted it to be more like oh. Yeah, know, like something yeah. showing me you're in love with this person. Instead of just being like, oh, yeah. Instead I was of being like, like a mutual respect. Yeah, I was like, we're meant to believe that she's fallen in love with Chloe based on a few kisses and an arm around her shoulder? No. Like, that's... I mean, even the Emily kissing her, I felt more emotion from that than yeah. I did Chloe and Kay. Because he, he, Terry Miles, he like explains her, I mean, he, 
does a good job of portraying her emotion, how she's yeah. passionate and how she's like upset that she doesn't understand like this, that and the other. And it's just like you don't get any of that. with. And Chloe. it makes sense when you look back on the interactions that Emily had with mm-hmm. Kay, like when they're in the the penthouse and she's like, look, she says like she has a look in her eye and she's like, oh, you remind me of somebody I know. Like, yeah, it's because she's been looking for her for four years. Yeah. Like you feel that emotional connect. You never feel, I never feel that, at least with Chloe and Kay. Exactly. Until they're like, oh, we're in love. And I'm like, you are? Yeah, that, yeah, that really pissed me off. And then this was before everything happened. I was like, and then Emily just tries to fucking make out with her. Like, (laughs) why are you I thought that too. I was like, okay, well, maybe it's because the world's ending and she's like forever loved her. But then when she was like, we were married, I was like, wait, skirt, (laughs) So yeah, okay. So she says that they had been married, that they fell in love, and that Kay went through a dimensional slip and she's been gone for the past four years yeah and emily's been looking for her so Kay is shocked obviously and is like what the fuck are you talking about she's like i haven't seen you since we were kids and emily says that up until four years ago she saw her every day when she would wake up beside her and every night when she would go to sleep how cute is that (laughs) Kay says it's impossible and she would remember if they were married emily is like I lose you to a dimensional drift and your girlfriend disappears from a Starbucks bathroom. How the (laughs) fuck did she know that? Yeah, that's true. Well, did she not tell her? No. no? I guess maybe, well, what if she was like watching? If you're, why would you wait until the world, I guess she wanted to fix everything first. Maybe. But if like I saw my partner and I haven't seen them in four years, I'd be like, you know what I mean? But it also probably would have been like, oh shit like if i just fucking dump all this on you you know you think she was watching her in the tower like with the thing maybe Mm. because then do you think crow knew that they had been previously married because he was like that's why she was like i need to talk to emily and he's like oh you can't talk to her maybe maybe who fucking knows see we don't fucking get these answers (laughs) right so the shaking of the earth continues and it's getting worse Kay says that Emily had used a dimensional drift before and wants... Oh, she had used the term dimensional drift before and wants to know what it means. Emily says it's the reason Kay can't remember that they were married. It's equivalent to divers getting the bends um, from, like, a decompression sickness, but it's for your brain instead. Kay asks if someone living in a different dimension would mess up everything... And Emily says it's mostly fine and people would just have different small memories like the Mandela effect things, which they mention the Berenstein Berenstein thing a lot. <laughs> it's probably the only Mandela effect that they can like. Jesus. <laughs> um, Kay is like, well, what if I'm not your Kay? What if I'm like your Kay is still out there in a different dimension? And Emily's like, no, you are my Kay. <laughs> like, Shut up, bitch. you came to this dimension four years ago. And then she was like, but I have no one to blame but myself. She says that her and Kay were tracking down Crow because he started fucking up the game. Um, And the multi... Oh, he started fucking up the game and the multiverse trying to track his daughter and wife down. And Emily found Kay and asked for her help. She says they spent years coming up with the plan to stop him. But Kay changed her mind um and said that she was too scared of forgetting emily and she didn't want to slip into another dimension because they were in love (laughs) but when they figured out that the manipulations were causing more damage than they thought 
and the entire multiverse was in danger of collapsing, Emily pushed Kay into do- to going into the slip to stop him. Kay says that all of that doesn't sound likely and that her lapse in time with reality sounds more probable. <laughs> like, she doesn't <laughs> want to believe it. She's like, maybe I just had a fucking mental break. <laughs> like, yeah. what's not... Like, maybe I'm just fucked. <laughs> Emily says that they use their gateway sauce to facilitate the slip. I like how that's, like, the actual term they use for it. The gateway sauce. Emily says that apparently Kay has a ton of gateway sauce. <laughs> and that's when Kay starts to really believe Emily. And then Emily asks if she remembers the Blackwell. Oh, God. Kay immediately <sighs> gets flooded with the dream that she forgot about. Which is when her, Emily, and Annie were in a farmer's field. And Emily and Kay were watching Annie run around and play. And then all of a sudden, she disappeared, like, out of thin air. Kay is like, yeah, that's my dream. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I don't think I ever told anybody that. How do you know the details to it? Emily tells Kay that it wasn't a dream and that it was real. Emily explains every detail and Kay is like freaking the fuck out because she's never shared those details with anyone. They found Annie when she was in the bottom of the old stone well and all of her limbs were broken. Fuck. (laughs) Now, do you think like when she disappeared, she like slipped into another stream and then came back and she just like fell in the well? No, I think she like disappeared because she fell in the well. <laughs> that makes more sense to but, me because I was like, "How did she just disappear from thin air?" Well, that's weird though. That like, because when I think of a well, I think of the one that has like the fucking like mm. it's up. You know, it's not just a fucking hole in the ground. But they said it was like in a barn, right? Yeah. So maybe it was just that's fucking- some fucking ring shit. <sighs> <laughs> so, um, Kay had woken up. And ran into the girls' room, and Emily was sitting up shaking from the same dream, right? Wait, shaking from the jug it tear? Oh, I think I fucking put the wrong thing. Okay. <laughs> Kay had woken up and ran into the girls' room, and Emily was sitting up shaking from the night tear. But Annie was curled up in bed asleep, like nothing had happened. So that's why Kay thought it was a dream. Yeah. Emily says that she told Annie her dream the next morning and it freaked her out so bad that Annie told their parents. The parents didn't seem all that shocked and believed Emily when they told when she told them what happened. It was only when Emily mentioned that Kay was in her dream that they freaked out and called a man who told them that Emily had special abilities connected to the radiance. The man she would let later end up working for, Crow. Kay asks what happened to the Gatewick facility, and Emily explains that Warwicker himself shut it down. It was only after Warwicker's death that Crow reopened it. What a piece of shit. (laughs) Emily explains that Natalie, which apparently they know, they're just like, oh, yeah, I know Natalie. Who is Natalie again? I don't know. Oh. They're yeah, just, okay, that's what, okay. Yeah, they're just, like, explaining his daughter, and Kay's like, oh, yeah, I'm, oh, it's his daughter. Yeah, I had no. I was like, "Who the fuck is Natalie?" Like, it's his daughter. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, they're like apparently like, "Oh, yeah, I've known her since I was a kid." And when she disappeared, and I came back. That like it was whatever. What the fuck? Yeah, they're just like throw all that. I think it, it was more like trying to shove everything in last minute. Yeah. So Emily explains that Natalie, his daughter, 
was working with Crow to find one of the radiants, but that when Natalie received news of her friend's car accident death, her emotional distress made her disappear into an interdimensional slip, never to be seen again. Apparently, they grew up with Natalie, and Kay asks why Crow just can't slip into another dimension where Natalie exists. Emily explains that he's tried, but Natalie was never there, and they don't know why some people can be brought back and others can't. Emily explains that Crow's obsession put too much stress on the Radiance and that he ended up destabilizing the game and all and the Radiance altogether. They describe what it's like. They describe that it's like an unstable wave that's washing over the multiverse. Kay asks about her parents hiding her from Crow, and Emily states that her parents did use a dimensional shift to hide her, and Crow didn't know she existed in her primary stream. So it wasn't that, like, they hid her necessarily. It's that they, like, well, they hid her in a different dimension, but because primary Crow forgot that she existed... All of the other dimensional crows forgot she existed. So when he sees her, it comes back and he's like, oh, yeah, like you're not supposed to be here because technically she didn't exist anymore. So much shit. They determined that rabbits is what sent Alan Scarpio to meet with Kay in the first place. Emily then explains that Swan is the one that helped them with the shift and that Swan is a warden of the game. That's her role. Kay asks Emily if she ever thought about slipping into another stream to bring Annie back. Emily asks Kay if she remembers the night Annie died. Kay says she remembers everything and proceeds to tell her the details, which is everything we've already heard. Yeah. Emily explains that Kay was actually the one driving. And when she goes to argue, she's like flooded back with like the memories of her driving. Emily says that it wasn't an elk, it was a tractor, and that if Kay hadn't swerved out of the way, they all would have died. Kay remembers that when they were thrown from the truck, Emily yelled at Kay that they needed to save Annie like before. No matter what dimension, Annie dies, but the Blackwell was real and Annie was dead then. They moved her to a different dimension where she still died. How fucking sad is that? (laughs) It's like some Final Destination shit. Like, no matter what, you're going to fucking die. Kay is shocked and looks at the screen on the Night Driver game when they're leaning on it. Kay grabs Emily and they head outside. Kay starts to feel the gray feeling and notices that everything is still happening around them, but there's a darkness in the air hovering above them. They talk about how, like, the the world is still shaking. Mm -hmm. Like, the whole... And it's getting worse. Like, the tremors are getting fucking worse. And they're like, if we weren't already sitting down, we would have been knocked to the ground. Like, that's how bad the fucking But, like, no one is. notices. Yeah. How the fuck are they the only ones that feel it? And they call a fucking cab. Because they have the sauce, bro. <laughs> Give me that sauce. So, like, imagine you're somebody and you just see this bitch, like, start seizing and, like, fucking falling down. Like, you don't see that the world is shaking, but they feel like the world is shaking. So if they just fall down, right. you're just like, oh my God, that bitch needs some help. <laughs> they tweak in. <laughs> so Kay says they're going to Lakewood and Emily starts to freak out. Kay runs across the street to see if there's any cars that are unlocked <laughs> so she can hotwire them. And Emily's like, you can't fucking hotwire a Prius. Like, get in the fucking cab. She like waved down a cab. And they get to her car... And when they are about to take off, 
they get a knock on the window and it's from the detective, which is the same detective um, they spoke with after Fat Man's murder. And she's knocking on the window and she wants to know why Easton Peru was tracking Kay on her phone, which is Murmur. Kay says that she's unsure, but that they talked recently about the game that she was telling her about after Fat Man's death. The detective says that she's been reported missing and they're going to need them to come down to the station. Emily's like, yeah, no, thank you. And she like takes off. But what I thought was weird was Kay mentions that they're in her Volvo. Yeah. I thought she drove a Tesla because that was the whole fucking thing at the station. (gasps) Discrepancy. Emily and Kay end up heading to the night station. (laughs) Full circle, baby. (laughs) That's the end of chapter 43. Chapter 44. Emily and Kay make it to the road leading up to the Peterman's house. And they can both feel the darkness coming. Kay says that the world was shaking so hard that Emily could barely keep the car between the lines. Emily and Kay have a cute back and forth with each other. Like, oh, sorry, you didn't really get to, like, experience how great I was as a wife or whatever. (laughs) And they decide that they're going to drive with the lights off and the radio to 107.3, just like the night. Kay says that if the world's ending anyways, it doesn't matter if they die in an accident right before. They joke that it's not going to work, and then Emily proceeds to drive just like that night. Kemily said, Kemily? <laughs> Kay says that she can feel the darkness pour into the car and slide into her skull. <laughs> Emily grabs Kay's hand, and they continue to drive. While Emily is driving, Kay can make out some music from the static. It's Were You Blind That Day by Steely Dan. Kay, oh, Kay's like, what are the odds? Like, what? Because she forgot. She she fucking forgot that um, she, like, doesn't remember that they were talking about Steely Dan at all. Huh. That's weird. Like That's very weird. She they Yeah, like, they mentioned that that's the thing on there. And she's like, wow, what, like, why would you hear Steely Dan? She's like, huh, that's crazy. Like. She, so she doesn't fucking remember that oh, that was a okay. whole fucking thing. Because, yeah, I was like, um, bitch, haven't you been playing the game? Like, what do you mean? What are the odds? Um, Emily asks Kay if she can see it. And Kay says that there's something in the dark that was thick and appeared to be moving. Emily and Kay drove right through it. The shaking becomes unbearable and they enter someplace else. Kay then said that she was floating and the familiar darkness surrounded her like when the currents were flowing underneath her, but less chaotic. She then smelled Annie's perfume just like she did in the truck. She felt the darkness again, but it felt, but she felt more in control of it. She didn't reach down for her mother or Chloe's hand, just Emily's. Kay knew that it was time to make a choice of the dimension, and she squeezed Emily's hand, and they went through like different dimensions that had different like memories Mm -hmm. one of those memories being was like talking to her dad as an old man which i thought was interesting yeah like they hadn't like her mom had just passed away or something and her and her dad were like in their kitchen yeah yeah so she saw light and headed towards it the light was then gone and she could see the figure from the super eight film that killed the magician Emily continued squeezing her hand and she opened her 
And then Kate opens her mouth to form a black hole that was sucking everything that existed in. And then there was nothing. I was like, what? <laughs> so her mouth's a black hole? And that's the end of chapter 44. This is the last chapter of the book. Kay wakes up in a bed. And who greets her in the kitchen? Alan Scarpio. Apparently, he has been staying at the Peterman house after getting a postcard in the mail six months ago that had the picture of the willow tree from Crow's penthouse and had the address and date on the back. Kay asks where Emily is, and Alan is like, I don't know. I only found you outside by the room. <laughs> Kay asks where he's been, and he's because he's been missing. And Alan's like, I haven't been missing. I've just been playing the game. Alan goes into detail about how he doesn't believe that the multiverse is real and how it's the, the Mortiarty effect or just the imagination that breaks in reality or breaks in reality. So we learn, we learn all of this fucking information about quantum physics and multiverse and radiance and blah, 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 all for him to be like, no, that's not real. It's the Moriarty effect. Like people have money. Bitch. <laughs> yeah. Told you that. Terry Miles fucking told me that. Okay. <laughs> so he says that most humans aren't able to understand Mitchum's radiance and the ones who do are the ones who create AI to keep them going, like Warwicker. The game, right? Right. He says that Rabbit isn't a multiverse repair mechanism, but instead it's determinism. He says that everything is already predetermined and that it's up to you to find the path. I don't think that's true. Do you feel like that's true? I Do you think you have free will? Probably not. You don't think you have, you think every single thing that you do has predetermined? No. Maybe like major life things. I would say, yeah, I, I would agree. But not everyday things. But would, but it's like the butterfly effect. Wouldn't, wouldn't everyday things lead you to then? You're right. I think about that sometimes. I'm like, if I had done that, this would have happened. Yeah. Yeah, my therapist, my old therapist said not to do shit like that because oh. then, well, for me, because she said that it just fucks with my anxiety. Oh, you to, like hyperfixate on it? Yeah, I'd be like, well, if I did that, then this wouldn't have happened. I do that all the time. And then like, and then she's like, and then you can't, like, there are some things where I'll be like, uh, like something bad will happen or like not even bad. I'd be like, I'll drop like a Q-tip on the floor. And then my brain is like, if you don't pick that up, John's going to die in a plane crash. And I'm like whoa okay no yeah. i don't go that far <laughs> my my thing is like i'm at work and someone calls and bitches me out and i'm like wow think of how my day would have been better if that person had <laughs> decided to call to me. <laughs> i'm like zero to a hundred like yeah i don't do that that's fucking <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> so he, he alan shows Kay the tokyo stock exchange on her phone where they had found the circle it says that Kay has won the 11th iteration of the game. Kay asks if she wasn't. <laughs> Kay's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. But I wasn't with anybody outside. <laughs> and Alan is like, no, who would you be with? 
And she's like, Emily Connors. And he's like, oh, I know who that is. She's a friend of mine. She watches my lake house. I told you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I was going to tell you, like, that bitch was right. She fucking knew that shit was Alice Carpio's. So, yeah, she's like, she stays in my lake house in Seattle while I'm out and waters my plants. But he hasn't heard from her in a while. And that she has a phone number. And when he calls it, it's like out of service. Um, She asks about Annie and Alan says that she died a long time ago. Kay then asks what her prize is since she won the game. Mm -hmm. And Alan explains that since the AI is so advanced that it knows her heart's desire, Kay will get her present sometime soon, as well as she probably has like a fuck ton of money in the bank. Yeah, which she does. Just then, Chloe walks in and gives her all these hugs and kisses and asks, like, where did you disappear to? I went pee for, like, two minutes and you were gone. Okay, if we're being real talk, I'm kind of sad that it was Chloe. I really wanted it to be Emily. And I know the whole book was her and Chloe. Yeah. But there was more (sighs) emotion with Emily. Yeah, like, how sad that you're married to this person for years you're both, and you just forget about it. You're both trying to save the world. And then for four years, you're looking for your partner and she does have no fucking idea who you are. You're like about to die and you go to like kiss your partner and she's like, oh, I'm in love with somebody else. Yeah. And then at the end of it all, you don't, you still don't get your partner back. Your heart's desire is fucking the girl you fell in love with yeah, in your dimension. Wouldn't, wouldn't Emily also have won the game? Like, wouldn't it have been both of them? I guess because Kay like chose the radiant and like, like did sucked the... in all the shit mm. that she won because <laughs> her fucking mouse a black hole so emily gets the shit end of the stick she like her parents are dead her parents are dead her sister's dead who knows if she's still fucking alive no one's heard from her it's like she gets the fucking shit end of this bargain yeah she's like i'm gonna save the fucking world and then i guess just not exist anymore she's the one who like worked for crow all this time and yeah. like put in the work and learned everything that's some bullshit. Mm-hmm. Justice for Emily, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Kay shows Chloe that she's won the 11th iteration and Chloe's like excited. Kay's like, you know what? This is too much for me to process right now. She goes to the bathroom and tries to like cool down. And she's like wondering if Baron and Fat Man are still alive in this dimension. And she looks them up and they are not. They're still dead. She gets a text from War Games saying that Sydney Farrow is creating a new game called The Door is Open. Chloe rushes in and Kay shows her the text. Chloe says what they're going to do is play the game or win the game and save the world. And that is the end of the fucking book. Yeah, but that's the thing with the text. She's like, I don't remember being added to their mailing list. And, and then they were just like, they read it. It says the door is open. And then they're like, Okay, well, when do you think the next iteration is going to start? And they're like, well, I don't know. We'll have to figure it. Like, they forgot that that was the key phrase to start the next fucking iteration. Oh. Like, that's... so. I thought that they saw the the key phrase and are like... No, they, like, straight up fucking... Like, that whole last paragraph is just them being like, that's crazy. Like, what will... Just like the Steely Dan thing. Hmm. Where she, like, forgot about it. I have questions. I have no answers, just like this book. I just like I. What's the point of like the killer dark shadows? Was that crow? Mm. Was that like what was that? I if think you're on the wrong path. I think the dark shadows are meant to like 
represent maybe like the world is coming apart and so like I don't know cause I just think of like fucking Dementors <laughs> you know what's the worst thing about prison Dementors <laughs> um I just I I I I'm very unsatisfied. I yeah, as am I. I'm very unsatisfied. I'm very and uh, it, parts of the story were really fucking cool though. Yeah, like I'm not gonna lie. Like I didn't think I was gonna like it, and then I liked certain chapters, but then it was it would just lose me all over again. Yeah. And then I thought the end would like wrap everything up. I, maybe it's not supposed to be like a concise fucking answer. Maybe it's supposed to leave you guessing. Well, I think. John said that the podcast is really good. So I think this book was made for people who had listened to the podcast before mm, and kind of understand it a little bit. Had some back context. But yeah, but at the same time, you wrote a book that you have said is a standalone novel, so you should probably give it like a different context. And I can't I I could imagine that that's something that's hard to do when right. you've written like a podcast with like full dialogue and everything. Right. And you're trying to make something that's separate from that, but also in the same universe. I, I'd imagine that's kind of difficult to do. I just don't think he hit the nail on the head with the book. Maybe he should just stick to the podcast because apparently that's fantastic. I'm down to listen to the podcast. Yeah, I've I, heard. Yeah, I've, I've had a couple of people tell me that the podcast is fantastic. Maybe I'll listen to it this week and see like what it is. Yeah. I, <laughs> I want to read this review somebody wrote because it kind of just like summed up my feelings. Yeah. So they talk about, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a very long one, so I'm not going to read the whole thing. But they talk about, you know, this is how the game is. Supposedly, there's this game called Rabbits, blah, 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 whatever. And they're, like, uh, basically talking about how the game starts. You start noticing odd things, discrepancies. You follow the clues. You find other clues. There's a string of clues. Then you win a prize, maybe. (laughs) And he goes, and that's pretty much it. He's like, I mean... Other characters get involved and Kay has a backstory, but the plot is basically just Kay and Chloe talking, then noticing something weird, following it for a while, stopping, then noticing something else weird, lather, rinse, repeat. The book honestly could have been 200 shorter or 200 pages longer without any real difference to the story. It just seemed to be a matter of how long the author felt like telling the story. Like, he was just like, if you never really know what's real and what's not, it's very difficult to become invested in or attached to any of the characters. He said, while the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon and the Mandela effect discussions were interesting, the happenings here were extreme to the point of absurdity. If a friend of yours in real life started telling you that they were seeing connections between unrelated events the way Kay and Chloe do, you would call to get them psychological help. <laughs> he was just like, it's set in the same world as a podcast, etc. He's like, I didn't enjoy the book. I, but I also wasn't familiar with the podcast. If you really like the podcast, I guess I'd say to give it a try. Otherwise, I can't recommend it. And he read that as like an arc. So he it was like he read it before it was published. Right. But yeah, I think that pretty much sums up how I feel. It's just like it was all just you find a clue, you chase it for a while, then you stop, then you find another one until the end of the book. And you're just kind of like, well, yeah. well, what was, you know. And it's just like a weird, wild goose chase for no reason. And then the game is still going on. So, like. I mean, I guess they did end up, like, saving the world. But now, was it the world or was it just. Their dimension? Right. 
And then why are you continue like why does the game need to continue if it turns out that it's not like a dimensional uh thing? You, you know, like it turns out it's well, not a repair mechanism. So then why are you continuing the game? That's true. But again, that's just according to Alan Scarpio. Yeah. Everyone else said it was a repair mechanism. Yeah. And that only certain people who could see the radiance were the ones who should be like working on the thing. So does that mean all of the people who won the past iterations have seen the radiance? Have they all like saved the world before? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Does this happen every time? But then why would Alan Scorpio tell them that it's that like that it's fuck like this time it's fucked up and and the world's definitely going to end? Does that does somebody according do that to, to everybody? Him, oh yeah, according to him that's what the game led him to do. Is to tell her that it was fucked right. up. But what was the purpose of the game before that? I don't know. That's the yeah, that's what it's too much shit. And I want to know I, as much as I dislike this book, I want to know what the purpose is cuz I still fucking don't know what the what the purpose of the game is moving forward. Why are you continuing? Maybe we can find like an article if he's like explained anything. Yeah. It seems like he doesn't do okay, a lot well, of interviews. No, I just like I don't think he does a lot of like cuz it's not like a popular book. So I, I don't can think see why. <laughs> Maybe, I but. didn't hate it. I thought some of it was interesting. It was just a lot of shit that I didn't need to know at the end that I like spent time trying to like open my mental capacity yeah. to like uh, let it in there. I think the problem too is we had such a great book last month. Like everything, not even just the horniness of it, but like the descriptions, her, the yeah. way that, way that she used specific literary devices, the way that she didn't rush through anything. Like, right. but she also has like a series that she didn't have to rush through shit. If he's doing this as a standalone book, he's trying to fit it all in one thing. But did she know she was going to be making? I mean, we know Maybe. it was a series now, but. I'm sure she did. She fucking broke that shit up. She left the end like. But it also could have been like a standalone. Speaking of. (laughs) A Court of Thorns and Roses and A Court of Mist and Fury. We will be shooting our (laughs) Patreon video this weekend. So if you want to see that, we're going to do all the fucking works. We're going (laughs) to talk about the horniness. We're going to drink from our fairy fucking wine goblets. We're going to have the ears, the outfits. <laughs> Please join us on Patreon. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and it is just $5 to join and you yeah. can get great content. We've had a few people join. We appreciate you. Shout out. Shout out. And I hope that you guys will come and have fun with us. Well, I think you can do lives on there. We'll have to figure out how to do a live one yeah. day. That would be fun. Um, but I think it'll be fun. Come drink with us and get drunk and watch us dress up as fairies. <laughs> I'm very excited. We'll see how Some could say I'm very excited. Okay. So <laughs> we'll put that up. We'll post on our Instagram when we're, when that's going to be live and with a link to our paint shot if you want to join and watch that because that'll be funny. Um, we know we got to buy wine. Oh, yeah, we, we know a lot of you like that series we love the series i took forever to start the second book and when i started it i like finished it in like two i days. told you bitch i was busy trying to fucking not hate this book what would you rate this book i've been thinking about it all day <laughs> i think i'm gonna give it a solid like 2.7 
I give it a 2.5. I think it's not, yeah. yeah, I think that's a good. I didn't hate it, but I would not read it again. I would not read it. I would not recommend it to anybody. Now, if he came out with a second book, like explaining more in detail, I would read it. Yeah. Because I'm interested in all my unanswered shit. Yeah, I want I want answers. See, I'm skeptical. I want answers, but I would be scared that I still wouldn't get answered and I would waste time reading it. Yeah, that's fair. I'll just make John listen to the audiobook of it and then tell me if my questions get answered or not. If there's a second book, John can just do his <laughs> rendition just, of it. So now I want to read his fucking <laughs> thesis. Page. Yeah, fucking, I want to fucking know what he talks about because the whole time I was going to be like, yeah, fuck that. You know, all this <laughs> shit. Um, and you're like, actually, the discrepancies in this uh, interdimensional. <laughs> See, he's an award. Terry Miles is an award-winning filmmaker. Yeah, stick to film, bro. <laughs> Acha, so oh, me. Shit, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think he also wrote his own bio. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he was born. That's how you know he's not a good writer. Uh-oh. Who was born among the wheat fields in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Raised in the plains. Uh, it's amongst. <laughs> and also, who fucking cared? What were you with on um, fucking Little House on the Prairie? You were born in the fucking middle of a goddamn wheat field. In Saskatchewan. Fuck you, Terry Miles. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I have not listened to your podcast. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to say I did not like your book. <laughs> Actually, I might really like it. So. <laughs> I may really enjoy your podcast. I am absolutely not a fan of you as an author of this book. I'm sorry. Wish I could. We will put our ratings on the website. Um, Just like all of our other ratings of the past books that we've yes. read. So if you want to check that oh, out. He does have a pod- podcast called Fairy. So many fairies. Yeah, I know. And I was listening to Tannis. I don't know if he wrote it. I did enjoy what I heard out of Tannis. I don't know what's going on, but it was an entertaining podcast. Um, okay. So. So next month we're doing a little something different. Yeah. Um, instead of us just reading another book, we found this cute little book that we thought about doing this month but we decided to do the sci-fi book um it's like a book of short stories some Mm -hmm. of them are ooky spooky right yeah there yeah there's like some ghost stories said publishers weekly said uh foo's stories crackle with quirky plots and her characters problems and hunger for new possibilities are palpable yes so for next month we will be reading Lesser Known Monsters of the 21st Century by Kim Fu. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Um, I think what we're going to do, we're still debating, but I yeah. think what we're going to do is each week we're going to like switch off on a short story. I don't yeah. think we need to read all of them. Yeah. Maybe we can like thumb through and like decide which ones we want to read and mm-hmm. kind of like describe it to the other person since they're very short. Yeah. Yeah, it's less than two hundred and twenty pages. So, well, yeah. what, once we get once we figure it out, we yeah. will have a definite plan next <laughs> month. So, join us on Tuesday next Tuesday for that. That'll be fine. I think that'll be fun. We'll see how it goes. I definitely need something <laughs> to clean my palate from <laughs> rabbit. So, hopefully, having because I think yeah, some of them seem some of the short stories seem very um, 
interesting. So very excited. excited. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, you can always follow us on our socials. It's at Book Friends Pod. Join our Patreon, uh, Book Friends Pod. And uh, email us if you want to. Bookfriendspod at gmail.com. Visit the website. Read John's thesis. Bookfriendspod.com. <laughs> Follow us on TikTok. We just sent off the next book that we're reading yeah. to one of our listeners in Australia. Yeah. So if you want to get on, hop on that shit. Hell, you got to follow us and enter any giveaways. giveaways we might do. Yeah. So join us on TikTok because that's mostly where all of our content goes. Because And Instagram. Yeah. Facebook's just kind of there. But I mean, you know, if you're on Facebook, I'm on Facebook. I'm not. <laughs> so join us. Fuck you, Zuck. <laughs> All Instagram's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> oops. Oops. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Wow.